Welcome to Dragon Time. Yay! This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Dungeons and Dragons podcast. That was so quiet. I don't know if anybody could hear it, but I could see your lips moving. So I knew you were doing echo. Oh, that's so good. That's that's the vocal stylings of Shelley Mazzanobel. That's right. I am Greg Tito, and we have a book. Um, not only do we have a book, I have a book in my hands, you guys. I got it's, a copy today, and I'm sure Greg's is on his way as well. I can't wait to crack it open. There's nothing like getting a real physical, oh. you know, it's, manifestation of the work that you've been doing for the last few years. It's beautiful. Wait, can you hear the sound of the pages? Oh, so good. Okay. It's gorgeous. It's bigger than I imagined. Ooh. It's smooth. Like the cover feels really smooth and soft. And it's real hefty. And I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of words in here. They're tiny. And they really jam-packed it in. These authors really care about their <laughs> readers because they gave a lot. There's a lot, a of, lot of words. A lot yeah. of value in this book. It's so what beautiful. What about the smell? What does it smell like? Oh, it smells like fresh paper. Oh, that's a, oh, the best smell cracking open a new book. Oh, I like how black like the, spine. the spine is too. Yep. I'm sorry that that you all can't see this yet, but you will probably when it lands on your doorstep too, which I hope that it does. But it's very exciting to it see exciting. it. And it says Mazzanobel and Tito on it on it's the spine. It's got our names right there on it. As I that's told it. Greg right before this. I was my kid was upset because he didn't pack his library books today, which means he couldn't re, couldn't take out new books from the library. And mm. I said, "No bigs. I just got a new book today that you can read." And I handed it to him, and I was like, "Do you recognize anyone's name on it?" And he goes, "Greg Tito." It's <laughs> <laughs> me. He doesn't and recognize his own name. No, just saw your name on name. the cover. He was like, mm, "Yeah." No mm. bigs. Oh. Whatever, man. Whatever. That's amazing. I'm amazed he didn't, uh, uh, you know, make some kind of poop joke in some way. Oh, he did with his eyes. Just, <laughs> his, his expressive eyes. His very us. expressive eyes were just like, take your poop book out of here. <laughs> tell, tell Greg Tito I said congratulations on his Aww, book. That's such a resounding congratulations. Yeah, we're excited. Very excited. That means it's real. That means you can pre-order it now from the University of Iowa Press and get it delivered to you, hopefully very soon. We, I can't wait to get a, the, the physical artifact and and, and cry oh all God. over it. You will absolutely. It's very exciting. I just Plus, can't stop touching it. It's so we're nice. We're going to be reading those words aloud very oh soon uh, in a studio that's actually near us, which is crazy, in West Seattle. Um, that's going to be a whole new experience for me. I've never done voice acting uh, except through Sirenscape and uh, Dragon Talk. Is this acting, though? It's narration? Well, I'm going to be acting. I'm going to be acting as Are Greg you? Tito. Are you going to act out the dialogue? Yes, with like yes. miniatures and... <laughs> uh, what if we show up with like costumes? These people are in like, no, no. Is this your first time? <laughs> How'd we guess? First time, yeah. I know there's crazy. dogs that um, 
live in that studio as well. So I'm really excited, not just to record the audio book for, for Welcome to Dragon Talk, but mostly to meet the dogs that roam around the studio. That's valid. That's completely valid. Uh, yeah. I think they will be giving you all of the encouragement you need to yeah. record it. I hope so. I'm like, I'm going to open up a page and read it right now. Just Ooh, kidding. As a preview? Oh, I opened up to one of your pages. That's all right. Wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> That's right. I thought that's what we were going to do. You were going to read my chapters and I was going to read your chapters. <laughs> it really was a heroine's journey for Adrian. That first gym was in a super tiny space. The ring was 15 feet by 15 feet and the building was 16 feet wide, she said, which meant any time the trainees needed to bounce off the elastic ropes, you made indentations into the walls of the gym with their rumps. I love that that quote you randomly pulled was about butts. I didn't know it was going to have a butt reference un- literally until it came up. <laughs> and I love that it's the word rump. Yeah. Not used enough. I, I, when, when we were talking to Adrian uh, as the Ember Moon at the time, uh, yeah, I remember that she, she paused before she said rump as well. Uh, oh, that's so cute. Because she had our, um, our, our language uh, in mind. Rump. 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 Bum, bum. All right, well, we have two amazing guests for today. We are talking again to two creators behind the Dungeon Run. One who is known to us. uh, We've interviewed her a bunch of times in various ways. Serena Marie, who has joined the cast for this most recent season. And Mr. Ron Ogden, who was a player and is now a co-DM of this season. So that's very exciting. And they're really wonderful people. Very, very wonderful people. We're going to hear about them making the magic continue uh, with the amazing dungeon run that they've been on. I love it. I love yeah. the whole entire cast. So we're, we've talked to many, many people from Dungeon Run. So That's true. Great yeah. show, great cast, great Morgan people. Morgan Peter Brown, Jeff. It's been uh, super fun. Uh, Amy Vorpal, who took over at, at some points uh, for Dungeon Mastering. Uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of connections to that group, and uh, we're excited to see it continue. Yep, and yep. Uh, let's go right to it, you know? Why, why, uh, why, why delay? Why delay? Let's make I it keep, happen. Let's, let's go. Let's welcome Serena Marie and Ron Ogden to Dragon Talk! Yay! 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 <laughs> So excited the two of you are here. Uh, You have been doing some fun dungeon running together. Yeah. Through the dungeon. Running through the dungeon, sprinting, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Sprinting. Yeah. Rushing through the dungeon. Rushing. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. And it's really so good to see you again. We haven't chatted in, uh, I don't know, on on the Dragon Talk in four years uh, five years i feel like you know, oh my god time time is a weird time. circle <laughs> i can't believe it's been that long it's but it's so good to see you i talk to you i feel like all the time on online yeah uh yeah <laughs> it is weird that weird social like oh yeah we get to know each other but you know haven't been uh face to face in a while yeah so nice to see you and you too shelly it's wonderful thank you. To see you nice to see you too and nice to have Ron here with us too. Yay! Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's nice to meet both of you for the first time uh, in person. Quote, right. Quote. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is as person as you get. Uh, yes, right? with, yes. With with the videos. Uh, so. Um, uh, the dungeon run, we've talked to, uh, all the folks, uh, who have yeah. been through that. You guys have been where it started off that whole thing in studio, uh, yeah. went away. And then are, have you, you've returned to the studio. Yeah, we have now in the latest season returned to studio. Yep. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. It really has been, uh, you know, starting over caffeine. Um, they were always very, very, uh, they've always been very helpful. And so when we, when they uh, canceled us and we were, uh, not canceled us, when, when things went away and we re- relaunched everything, um, we did so at home because it was still during the height of the pandemic. Uh, and um, as our fan base uh, and the kindness of all of those people, Jeff, Jeff's wonderful work in the first season, continuing us while things were up in the air uh, uh, was incredible. So now uh, with the new season, with uh, Serena's addition and Carrie and Adam have joined the crew as well uh, on the cast, um, we're back in it. I think I, we're about to do episode 13. Uh, oh, gosh. November. Wow. Very lucky. For the, first, for the mm-hmm. second season. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Amazing. And you, Ron, you were a cast member in the first Uh, campaign. Yes. And you're Uh, taking on a different role. I am. Yeah. In the first campaign, I played Uggo Rage Fist. Um, (laughs) Started as an orc barbarian who became an orc paladin. Um, I won't ruin it. It was a very intense story on on how he became a paladin. Uh, So if you have not seen that or watched it, I I highly recommend go check out that story. Um, And then, yes, when um, Jeff uh, had some personal stuff uh, happen and uh, he's still he's still involved behind the scenes, um, but he had to step away and um, when he did, uh, we had a conversation as a group and like, how are we going to do this? And Jared and I had been DMing. Uh, I actually, during the pandemic, right before the pandemic and a little bit during the pandemic, was DMing for Jared and some of his friends uh, every other week, um, doing Out of the Abyss, actually. Ooh, mm-hmm. fun so a, yeah, it was a lot of fun when when I got my hands on that. I was like, I got to play this one. So uh, Jared and Adam actually was in that crew as well. Uh, he was now who plays Crystal Ball in the latest season. Um, uh, we got together and when that happened, we kind of realized like, okay, there's some, some good stuff here. So I pitched to Jared, Hey, let's co-DM. And Jared liked that idea too. We had talked about it. And, um, since then, you know, the team was on board. Um, and since then it's been an incredible ride. Like I haven't created, uh, for DMing like this before I've co-created for like sketches and comedy and stuff like that improv, but never in a DM setting or a, mm. in a storytelling setting like this uh, for TTRPG. And that was really, really, really fascinating. It's been really fascinating. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and Serena, you, you had that not exact same experience, but similar in, in rivals of Waterdeep where you guys were trading off DMing and I'm being like, Oh yeah, for this season, I'm going to DM. Right. And so that feel Ron's story must sound a little familiar there. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's really interesting watching the two of them work because knowing what it takes to uh, formulate this big grand story in your own brain, right? And having to share like those notes and uh, and collaborate with someone else who might have vastly different ideas or vastly different ways of playing uh, NPCs, uh, even. Uh, it's been so cool to watch the collaboration between uh, Jared and Ron. And I, I definitely empathize because like you said, with the rivals and passing the torch, it's always like, okay, the season's done. It's my season to DM. What are we doing? What happens now? <laughs> um, and so to do that on a week to week basis together, um, is, is really fascinating. And I think, um, you know, Ron and I were talking about it before and uh, they do uh, a pilot co-pilot type mm. of um, way of sharing the reins 
Uh, and Ron, you can talk more about that. It's yeah, just so course. fascinating to me. Uh, that, yeah. It's really I, fascinating. I, I, yeah, I know. Co-DMing, I think, is brilliant. I think it's like just for time, for prepping, for uh, new dungeon masters who aren't yeah. as confident yet. There is yeah. so much good stuff here. So, uh, yeah, I definitely want to dig into what what that, that's been like for you in, in the pilot, sure. co-pilot analogy. Well, first thing, uh, I mean, first thing is, you know, it's a lot like improv, right? That I come from an improv background. That's really where I grew up and started comedy and that kind of thing. Um, so Jared has done some improv in his life as well. Uh, the, the entire first season of the Dungeon Run is basically all improv from our side. Mm-hmm. So um, we really land on those uh those particular principles but also sly flourish um uh, has kind of inspired me a little bit and i've been i have all of his books and uh, you know one of the one of the things that he talks about we've had him on our show recently on on, on our cooldown um he he mentions you know basing your story around your character's backstories right which is such a, 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 a it's use your character's backstories as the way to tell the full story. And that's kind of what we've really latched onto for this stuff. But the codeming part of all of that is because we have these guiding principles that we've kind of laid out, uh, we know how to kind of regiment in and, and what the goals are. Tools are important. We use Legend Keeper. If you're not familiar with Legend Keeper, mm. it's like a wiki-based, um, a wiki-based map. So maps become the way you track your campaign, cities, where you go, all that kind of stuff. Oh, and cool. for our new season, it's a lot of travel and a lot of going wherever the wherever they want to go. Uh, and because it's a lot of that, we've got to sort of start laying some of the groundwork on the out end, on the outer ends, and fill in as they move in those directions. So absolutely need to save time in order to do that kind of campaign. And one of the best ways is, okay, Jared and I meet on Mondays, Tuesdays, once, you know, we we meet at night, we text throughout the week constantly. Hey, I had a great idea. Hey, this is a cool idea. What do we do this? Um, And it's, it's basically because Jared and I have worked in this environment and became friends as we were working in this environment. I think that really led us into this natural progression for the dungeon run. Um, and That's cool. it's, yeah, the co-pilot pilot, as Serena mentioned, um, it was actually Jared's idea. Uh, I at first was like, Hey, it's improv. Let's just improvise. Uh, and Jared, I think needs a little bit more regimented structure than I do, which is totally acceptable and understandable. And so we work together. <laughs> um, and so his idea was like, Hey, let's, let's do co-pilot and pilot. So five, six episodes, basically an arc is done by one and they're oh. the pilot and the co-pilot does like combat, uh, uh, things like that. It's it's support, very loose. It's support, mm-hmm. right? It's very loose. But we also trust each other to fill in the gaps that you might forget. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I find really fascinating about this feature is when I DM at home for my home campaign, sometimes afterwards I'll be looking over the things I did. I'm like, I forgot that thing I was supposed to say. I knew I wanted that one and I forgot it. (laughs) Um, Jared and I work back and forth really well that way where afterwards to be like, dude, you said the thing I forgot to say and it was great. And and, and that same, you know, Jared, I forgot that you did it. Yes. Uh, That kind of shared win also drives drives that particular camaraderie, I think, among us. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is something to be said about being a player with two DMs and um, they're, they both play NPCs very differently from each other. Mm. So um, I love Jared very much. He is a good boy, but <laughs> his NPCs 
always, uh, I'm like, there's, you're sketchy and I don't know what it is. I don't <laughs> know what it is about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're always uh, the villains. Even they're if they're always, not, there's just like an air of sketchiness to them. Like, oh, well, some of them, one of them is very beloved. Um, he's, he's playing this, um, so a lot of the the races or the um, the backgrounds and origins in the game are homebrew. So mm-hmm. one of the homebrew um, origins is a Ramhidi, which is like a ram person, um, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. And he plays a very kind, like wise sage who my character has latched on to. But that, that's like the only one. <laughs> like, wow. Uh, and... On the flip side, Ron plays um, NPCs that are very, um, uh, they come across as very kind and like open. And so I know as a player that Ron's going to betray me. <laughs> like, I, I just, I don't it's know It's a when. trap. It's a trap. Right. And, and all Jared's characters feel fair and, and, and feel fat. Well, whatever that thing I'm bongling from Lord of the Rings. Uh, but right, like it, it feels yeah. like you're like, oh, I don't trust it because there's not something There's there. nothing to trust. Yeah, it's yeah. very, right. Jared's very clearly on, a lot of his characters are very much uh, untrustworthy characters for the most <laughs> part. Um, just, he's got that voice. He's got that sultry, uh, thick voice. So it, it's- He's it's like, he plays that. very good villains. Yes. Like, um, and he, his character's talent. very high status as well. So it's like, oh, this is a, an important person. Mm-hmm. Well, I play a lot of the happy-go-lucky down in the muck, you know, the every the every man, gentleman, that kind of thing usually. But she's absolutely right. Uh, and and I'm glad she's she's taking this into account as we play because eventually I will have to play characters that are not fun, right? Like yeah, eventually right. I'm going to have to be a bad guy or play a villain. Um, and I want to do that. Or I want to stretch mm-hmm. those the, those abilities. But um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, there's a little bit of a joke. Uh, so in our campaign, you can interact with the story. Uh, and it's all about uh, gods, the gods this season. Um, uh, it's very open and I won't ruin it for those who want to watch it, but the gods are involved and we've essentially introduced, uh, and this is a little bit of a surprise, but it comes quickly, that the audience themselves are minor gods in the pantheon. Got it. So oh. everyone who's watching mm-hmm. is a god. And so it's all about the gods just watching these pe- these people uh, live their lives. So what mm-hmm. happens? Uh, how do the gods interfere? Do they want to interfere? Do they want to let it go? So it's all of that. And so because it's that, we have some interactivity uh, that goes on that is created by our audience. Um, and some of those uh, jokes, you know, there's some jokes of the of the, of the watchers that get in there. And mm-hmm. one of them is at the end of every episode, our Patreon supporters, especially certain tiers, we read out their names in like an improv skit where, uh, where audience <sighs> submits, uh, submits like uh, ways to read out names. Um, mm-hmm. And then we read out the names on each of our different uh, tiers of God. So force of <laughs> Chaos and force of nature. So one of those in the first season was for Jared and I to play good cop, bad cop. That was how we would read the names. Uh, and Jared and I didn't really communicate because you don't have time. It's like good cop, bad cop, go. And so he comes out <laughs> as the bad cop. And I thought he came out as the good cop. And so uh, then I came uh, out and was a worse cop. So it became bad cop, worse cop. <laughs> 
that's kind of the joke amongst the longtime viewers. And we even have shirts now that literally say, "One, I have neutral evil and he has chaotic evil. Mm. And so we wear them on occasion. Just as a, that, that kind of fun camaraderie, like we're here to have fun and that's what this is. And though we might tell a, uh, a compelling story that seems evil sometimes or, 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 or overarching uh, because that's how villains are. Um, at the end of the day, we're just here to have fun and enjoy each other. So even if we might feel villainous at the end of the day, I'm just trying to make sure that you and together we can make a great story. That makes it feel more evil yeah. somehow. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, oh, a little bit. We're, we're a little bit just trying. Yeah. <laughs> we're all just trying. <laughs> well, Serena, I mean, let's uh, let's dive into your character a little bit for, for this new season. How are you, uh, mm. you know, uh, portraying a character in this? That's such the art is so cute. It is very cute. The my most haunted boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm playing an Owlin uh rogue, arcane trickster, uh, which is a I I've gone on record several times as saying is my favorite DD class. Uh mostly because I love characters, um, and Otto is no exception, um, that can be very creative in combat scenarios. So yeah. It's, um, I don't, I think I have yet to play um, a character that runs in and just like fights. Like, I'm the player that's like, hey, like, what is the ground made out of? Are there like, <laughs> Can I swing from them? Like, <laughs> and these are not exaggerations. The, she's literally asked these questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, in um, one of our games that we had, um, this Owlin uh, rogue decides that um, I looked into my item kit and I saw that I had manacles. Um, okay. And I was like, I looked at the stats and I was like, this seems really powerful. And so I used mage hand to throw the manacles at a, um, essentially a, a beast that was chasing us. Uh, so it can latch onto its legs and be st- and trip. So nice. Like, yeah. So like, that's, uh, how I roll with the arcane trickster and also with my character. Mm. Um, it, what's interesting is, so I am not a very backstory heavy player. Mm. Um, I like, uh, front loading and kind of discovering in game what's important to me because things can kind of change. And if my backstory is too complicated for me personally, I worry about like contradicting myself or contradicting what the DM knows to be true. Um, so it was interesting for uh, Jared and Ron to really ask for these like detailed, rich uh, backstories. Um, and so every session I'm like, I hope that, I hope that was right. I hope that. <laughs> <laughs> that was true. Yeah. And so far it's been pretty good. Um, but it's, uh, the dynamic as being sort of the youngest in the party has been really fun. Um, my character, he is probably, I'd say preteen. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's very young. He's yeah, he's young. He's in it. Well, he's an adult as you are an adult when you like have a quinceanera. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like in his culture, adults, but in life, very naive um, and doubling that he uh, was raised and grew up uh, below the surface in a sort of an underground community. Mm-hmm. So he's exploring the surface for the first time and it's a lot. 
uh, it's a, a lot. And uh, Ron and Jared have instantly put us in danger. The first episode, we were oh. fighting the tundra, just uh, exposure and mm. trying not to freeze to death. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> um, which again, it's it's interesting because um, the game is very um, focused, not focused, uh, it has a lot of um, maps and minis to go along with it. And I have, it's my first time playing with full minis and a full map. And so I, even though I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for forever, I'm still learning things like how how much movement speed matters. Mm. Um, and I'm learning how to use my bonus actions more like ef- effectively. Because uh, when you're playing theater of the mind, it's like, oh yeah, I get there. And right. then I'm able to do this. But to physically see it, it's a whole different type of game, which is really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And then with an owl in too, you're able to to fly a little bit, right? So that changes everything, except in the tundra. So fun, fun fact, I uh, I asked, because uh, my character is based on a burrowing owl. Oh. Um, I asked okay. instead of a flight speed if I could have a digging speed. Oh. So I am forever digging holes and <laughs> digging tunnels and like bursting out from the ground and all of those things as, as I would if I were to fly, which is really cool. Yeah. That is cool. What, what is your burrowing speed? Uh, it's the same as my movement speed. So I think it's like 30 feet. Wow. <laughs> That's, that is the one thing I think maybe I would have gone back and done different. Because having a rogue who can just burrow 30 feet and around is, yeah, underneath. It's like you, okay, so she's all, uh, he, Otto, is always, always attacking with advantage. Yeah. yeah. So oh, and always wow. backstabbing. So it's it's kudos to Serena uh, for <laughs> this concept uh, because it's 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 fantastic. I do want to say that Serena, however, does not abuse it. Uh, oh. So it's she, she she uses it to great technique and and especially for the story. So that's the part that I love is giving a little bit more of a and we've done that with everyone. Everyone has a little bit thing, a little bit more uh, something, a little bit more powerful. Uh, I right. created a, a cleric subclass for Saint, uh, who's played by Jessica Lynn Parsons, um, and a little bit more powerful than probably would be normal. Um, but it's for the gods. The gods, man, the they gods are more powerful, right? Yes. They are more powerful, sense. and they and they're not equitable. And sometimes they give some people more power depending on how what they are involved in. And so uh, it's that kind of uh, that kind of uh, creation process. And then now, you as DM, you can somehow figure out a way for putting uh, auto in situations where oh yep. nope, you can't burrow through this ground. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every unique thing gives us an, another thing to improvise with and to create obstacles for. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's why something like that from a player is such a gift because it's really just helping the DM do the job that they're already going to be doing for sure. And it is interesting exploring uh, the game from like underground a little bit because, you know, we reached, um, it's not exactly a spoiler. It's just, it's out of context. So I don't think it counts. Um, where the ground was very hard and very frozen. Uh, so it was hard to dig through it. And a lot of it was decayed. Mm. But um, I dig straight down and then like learned that the ground under it was like rich, like verdant soil. And so like figuring out like, what does that mean? Or what are like the roots of the tree doing? Or what is what are these plants doing? Uh, right. It's a, a different way of 
thinking about moving in the game, which is really like a, a puzzle that I wanted to create for myself. Yeah. Um, well, especially when yeah. you have the map and you have the minis out there, it's like, oh my God, you can really get into the the storytelling ability of positioning, which mm-hmm. is not always the case when you're doing theater of the mind only. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. The maps and minis actually uh, to talk about the Cody M situation. So we have our power cards that Jared handles. That's his department. And then we have maps and minis, which is my department. And I print and paint those myself. So I'm doing that every week. Uh, there are some we use some, uh, Jared has a lot of minis from like Warhammer and a variety of things that he, uh, in his past that he does. And we use those as well. But um yeah, for most of them, like our recent uh, big boss battle uh, for the final part phase of that battle was a mini that I printed and painted myself here in my home. So, oh, uh, that's very special. Yeah, it's gonna be great uh, having a deadline to make you paint. Yeah, uh, it, yes. in fact, yes, absolutely. Because I, so many people talk to me about um, uh, about mini painting, and they and they go, "I've already got four hundred minis that I need to paint," and it's like, give yourself a deadline, yeah, and you'll paint yeah. them. Yep, yeah, you will have an audience yeah. waiting for it, and that's like, right. Okay, and you'll get them painted. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. I, I I thought it was supposed to be a relaxing activity. very stressful. So is writing a book, Shelly. Uh, <laughs> it can be stressful, but for me, you know, once you get in it, you got everything set up, and you sit down, and you're doing it. For me, I can really with my ADHD, I can hyper focus on that, and it gives me yeah. a lot of a lot of calming uh, and yeah. focus. So uh, even for a deadline, it's still very very enjoyable. Uh, really what's cool. cool about the fact that you make your own minis for the show is some of them are absolutely bananas. Like there was like a chimera type beastie. It was giant. It was like this the big, and it miniature version here. This oh. is just the miniature version that I had. And it's much oh, bigger. Wow. It's, about, wow, wow, wow. it's yeah. about 60% bigger than what I'm showing you here. Wow. It's downstairs. Yeah. Or otherwise, I'd show it to you. Uh, for those listening at home via audio only, uh, <laughs> it has <laughs> the, the wings of a bat, uh, like elk ears. Uh, it's like hunched over and it's it's truly menacing. Um, and it's like double the size of all of our minis. So to have the size comparison and have him just like funk it on the table, it's like, oh, are we oh, fighting that? Right. Yeah. Like, I don't. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything that yeah. makes a sound when you put it down. You yeah. Know, that's, that's you're like, mm, mm, yeah. No. Definitely. Story. I, oh, oh, go yeah. ahead. Go, Chelly. No, I was, I was just going to say, I love theater of the mind, but I also really appreciate and love that moment when the dungeon master's like, hang on. Yeah. <gasps> Boom. <laughs> okay. That's mm-hmm. not what I would have pictured. And see. We are we are dead now. Um I funny story about this this uh mini that she's talking about. Mini is to not give it justice. Huge uh, <laughs> um huge sized uh creature known as Hunolo. Um this creature I I got we shot I I got I just recently got married. Um, oh, congratulations. Yeah, I, want, I want to talk Thank about you. that I want to know how, in a minute. But. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I also want to know how that relates to this monster you're about to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, so I got, I, we got married and um, I got back. We flew in on Tuesday and um, we were coming back on Tuesday early morning. Everything got pushed back so that we didn't actually get back to LA until about 2 a.m. Wednesday morning. Oof. We had to be on the shoot at 3 p.m. I, 4 p.m. is usually when I show up for the, for the shoot to start setting up uh, that same day. And I hadn't painted Hunolo yet. Oh. Uh-oh. So Ooh. we got home at 2 a.m. 
went to bed, woke up at 8 a.m. and painted until 3. Oh, my and, God. And, and, and brought it and brought it into the show for that. That that was not that was the one time that I've painted for the show that was not calm and relaxing. It was constant like, OK, uh, OK. And it's huge. So and, it's a yeah. huge one, which means way more paint and work. And so I'm doing it and, and cutting corners because I have to. Mm-hmm. I don't have the time. And it still came out. I thank you, Serena, because I look at it and I go, well, there's so much more I could have done. There's, you know, you see the imperfections, you know, I see the imperfections when I'm looking at my own work, but then I hear others say, well, wow, it's so beautiful. And then it's like, that's the part that's okay. That was worth the 8 a.m. Wake up. (laughs) Yeah. I had no idea. Like I'm learning this information right now here. Um, I love that your mouth was hanging open there. You're like, what? (laughs) What? Because it looked incredible. And also, Wow, like, thank you for that amazing gift you brought to us and the work that you put into it, especially uh, during, like, sleep deprivation. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) coming back from a nice relaxing trip. and (laughs) Uh, That's the power of deadlines for you. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I would have done? I would have went down to the garage, got a can of spray paint, and just... <laughs> it's, it's a metal. Yeah. It's, a, it's a silver metal it's monster. A that's glitter monster. This nature monster is made of metal. <laughs> yeah. Like a like a rust monster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, oh, metal is natural. So metal, yeah. metal is natural. So. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. We would have believed it. It's fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So cool. Dedication. Um, yeah, and 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 be, did you? And then the whole three D printing thing is also mm-hmm. like you know above and beyond because you have to think ahead and get the because that those three D prints can sometimes take a really long time, right? Yeah, and well, long time, and um, if you don't set it up right, and if you don't spend the time on really tinkering, it, it's tinkering is really what it is it's real life tinkering. I, in in a in a way, I'm I'm a little bit of an artificer, uh, and, and that's what three D printing. Is. Anyone who does it is an artificer. Uh, I think you should claim that, and you definitely should. Um, I, you give it. Uh, so I, it takes you a have lot it. of work. You have that title now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it takes a lot of work and retry. It's very science based. So um, yeah, it failures right. Like I get failures, uh, and so you got to start over. And they take you know even even a standard medium sized mini with the kind of printer that i'm using which is a resin printer um it takes that's a 3 hour print yeah. um even wow. you know i might be able to get 28 of them out if i'm doing it right you probably more like 10 to 15 um but 3 hours at medium size so that huge took quite a number of hours. And in fact, I had to print it a couple of times, which is why I have the small version of it uh, before I printed the bigger version because mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that the model fit together. It comes in pieces. I got to glue them, uh, figure out if they don't fit all well together. How do oh. I make that look like it fits together? So there's a lot of work that goes into it, but that's my passion. That's but now what you've I'm got something. Yeah. If one if if one of the characters uh, you know casts a shrink spell on uh, yep. the monster, now you've got there one. There you go. Yep. And I print in clear so they cast invisibility. You can Done. still see the invisible minute. Mini. Right? Yep. yep. So good. Brilliant. So I don't know that a lot about 3D printing. Now, are you designing these these uh, characters, these monsters as uh, well, or is it from like a standard selection? Um, so, you know, I, I purchased the rights to print them for my own home uh, from various places like my mini factory. Um, you can get STLs from Hero Forge and print them in your own home, that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, so STLs are typically where they come from. A lot of my STLs come from uh, very specific artists that I also sell in my own Etsy shop. Um, 
that I picked up during the pandemic because I had nothing else to do. You have your own you have your own Etsy shop? I do. I have my own oh, Etsy store. I didn't store know now. that. Yeah, I have my own Etsy what? shop and in fact you uh, and in fact you can um, purchase my time to paint them for you as well. Um, so nice. yeah. Etsy.com uh, our company is called Epic GM Co and the Epic stands for every player is crucial. Oh. That's true. Yeah. Um, what does STL yeah, stand so, for? STL um stereolithic uh, it's I don't know the name and now I'm failing my I apologize I don't remember Star not, the not, what I not what I was going to guess at all um, so it's just a 3D mesh uh, that you can put into programs uh, or you, you have to so the kind of printer I'm using is a resin printer it actually starts as a vat of like resin liquid and you lower the plate into the oh, liquid so cool. and then the 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 uh, mono monocolor LCD at the bottom opens up at that layer, almost like if you've ever had an MRI, right? They slice, uh, they slice the image in a lot they of different slice layers. You up. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> okay. slicing your body, yeah. absolutely. It's literally they put you back together. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just magnets, uh, <laughs> and you get uh, you get magnetized back together. It's fine. Um, uh, so it's you like really are an artificer. <laughs> layer by layer by layer by layer until you've gone through all of the layers in Z space of this mini. And it, so it pulls out of the vat uh, basically upside down. And then you remove it from the plate. Uh, you cure it in UV light, uh, UVB light. And then I prime them, uh, Xenophil prime. So black on the bottom, white on the top. And then every shade between that. And then, then it's ready to paint. It's ready to paint for anyone who does like mini painting. So oh that's God, the process so that I go cool. through every time I print something for the show. <laughs> that's um, the benefit um, of a resin printer versus a, a plastic printer, right? Because you'd have yeah. to sand it and like, because it other printers print it with the ridgy thing. Yeah, I think that's, that's what we have. I have, I think, a, a 3D printer it yeah. is beyond me. I'm like, help, Carlos. Like, please <laughs> do this for me. <laughs> but FDM is what that's cool. Called. Yeah, it's cartesian. Okay. So it it heats up plastics like a hot pen and you just move yeah. the plate around until you draw the thing until it's done. And yes, you usually have to sand it down. I don't usually, usually I have them, you can get them now where they're uh, precise enough that you don't really see all the layer lines all that much. Mm. And then when you base coat them to be painted, a lot of that base coat kind of fills in the, the gaps, but you can still mm. see it if you get real close. But some of the minis that we've used and so more of the landscapes that we've used on the show have been that type of print. Mm. I love that answer so, so much cool. because there was so like at least uh, every other word I didn't understand. And yeah, that, I was like, ah. <laughs> a lot of acronyms and yeah, apologies. Yeah, right? I, uh, I, no, no apologies. <laughs> no, that was good. that was the techno babble that we needed. Yeah, that's yes. that's uh, yeah. yeah. It all seemed it all seemed believable and real. Uh, so <laughs> that was your we improv skills you. too. Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> you got to take the uh, the horn blower and put it on to the SM four five. <laughs> now some people will say the SM four six is the way to go, fine. but they're wrong. Great. Yeah, <laughs> we're all gnomes at heart <laughs> when we are tinkering. Um, I want to go back to something you were saying, Serena, about backstory, uh, because that is something that I always think about a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lazy DM as well as a lazy player. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm similar to you, but the few times that I have written a backstory that was in depth, I was like, but nobody knows it yet. How do yes. I get it out there without monologuing about it? Uh, and so, yeah, how how do you do that? Like, how what's what's the the way to create a rich backstory? Maybe even in play, like you do, but make sure that that information is is out there for for the audience and your fellow players. 
Yeah, this is such a good question. I, uh, for me, I don't think that anything becomes true, like really true until you say it in the game. Mm. Um, there are things that like, uh, I think, and this is just me as a player, um, cause I know there are folks out there who are very precious and protective of their backstory. And that is awesome. Um, but for me, I think, um, it kind of is a shorthand between the, the GM and I, so I can, um, reference things and shine light around these ideas that we've talked about in a way that kind of signals, this is what this is from. But, um, in knowing that nobody knows my backstory, you can kind of say stuff and like really dig into like that filter that you've created for yourself. Mm. So um, my character, uh, Otto, he has a pretty um, happy life in like his like little underground community um, until essentially the Fire Nation came. Now that I'm thinking <laughs> about it. <laughs> um, Aww. It ruined Aww. everything, just like an avatar. <laughs> just, just like an avatar. Um, but essentially something, uh, happened, uh, but his, um, his people and his society are like protectors of a, like a great secret. And so for me, I, as, uh, Otto, I don't like talking about my home. And so when I ask, when asked about my home, my character will just lie and just hmm. make up a bunch of like rules of the society that might not necessarily be true or, um, things that happened to them that got them to where all of the other players are and just like hit that filter really hard of I'm protecting this secret, but I'm bad at lying. So the audience knows that I'm lying because the audience has seen my session zero. They know like the truth, but the players at the table, it, it wasn't until kind of recently where my, uh, where Otto kind of came clean about a couple of things mm but they're still kind of cagey about others because when you're playing your filter, like one of his is if I tell you everything, you're now in danger. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's kind of how I try to work backstory in. Um, and I did that a little bit with like um, a court of Fae and flowers as well. Um, yeah. There was a ton of um, conversations I had as my uh, secret or as my persona before my identity was revealed. Spoiler, mm. sorry. Um, but everything that I was saying in the persona was true. And through that backstory and through that filter, um, it wasn't implicit. It wasn't monologuing and saying like, hey, you know, when I was five this thing happened and it sucked like it's it's not that but like you are a culmination of the things that have happened to you so how do you move forward now like how do you move forward with that information yeah yeah it's so it's so uh hard to wrap your brain around too not only the 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 backstory thing, but then also having a false backstory, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, which you've done like twice. Keep now. Them straight, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did Otto I, have friends? Did he know anyone in the party before uh, when this when it started? Or was he, he, no, it was so nobody normal. knew any of his history. Right. And so it was easy to be like, oh, yeah, like uh, there's weather. We have weather undergrounds. Like, have you ever like, been into, like a, a cave monsoon? Like, and just. <laughs> it happens. You didn't know it that? It happens. You didn't know that? And I, I, I feel that Otto also is sort of a, 
a little bit of a compulsive liar. And I didn't know that until I started playing the game and kind of discovered how fun it was to just say whatever I wanted. Because if you're meeting people for the first time, you could truly be whoever you want to be. Yes. And actually, it reminds me of going to college and like, you're a freshman, you're like, I can just reinvent myself. Nobody knows where I've (laughs) come from. Nobody knows what the the nickname that I really wish I was called. I'm just going to tell people like, yeah. Everybody, my friends call me this. Yeah. (laughs) I actually did that. (laughs) You gave yourself a nickname? (laughs) Yeah. In high school, we, uh, well, there was my town in high school and then there was another town that all the kids, uh, it was a smaller town, so they brought their like 40 or 50 kids to our high school. So I met all these people for the first time during orientation, <laughs> and I introduced myself as Bob Jinglehopper to them. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, my name is Bob Jinglehopper. And they, they took it all at face value. Of course the, they the, did. For the first couple of days and weeks until, you know, it all, it all kind of fell apart. But I was amazed at how easy it was. To, did they, to, call, they referred to you as Bob? Yeah, many like people hall, still like, oh, refer hey, to me. Bob. Even hey, after Bob, they knew it wasn't Hopper. real, it became <laughs> it was just like my my pseudonym for for most of my high school year for some for some kids. Weird, wow. right? Yeah, but then yeah. I how close that is to to what you're describing, Serena, where you're just like, oh yeah, you can just pretend what, to be who you are, and people, you, you know, why wouldn't they trust you, right? And yeah. that's amazing. That's such a fun character to play. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a, a funny discovery too. Once you realize that, like all of us, any of us, have that power to be like, you know what? I could just say stuff for better or for worse. Yes. I could just do it and see what happens. And um, Ron uh, and Jared, because they know the the real stuff, um, it, it's been fun to um, kind of crack them up a little bit at the table. And like, I look over and they're smiling like, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh-huh, yes. Uh-huh, got it. <laughs> Get yeah. it? You know what I'm doing? <laughs> You're the only two who know. <laughs> and the beautiful part about that is now Jared and I can, now that we know and, and that Serena mm-hmm. has made choices like this, we can yes and her and make her look brilliant by uh, creating situations that reward that, right? Mm-hmm. And we try to do that with all of the players. This is this is kind of wrapped up in the use backstory as a way to move yes. the story forward. Um, mm-hmm. Is now we can pull those things in. You know, so we've peppered some stuff that we already had planned in all of that. But what Serena has done, and what the rest of the cast, Carrie with uh, Adam, all of them are doing mm-hmm. it. Um, it gives us again their. They're basically doing that part of the work for us because now we can just pull those things and reward them for that. Well, so, so you're a good you're good dungeon masters for doing that. Yeah, we have. I think it, we we've done a how to DM segment on the show mm-hmm. about using players' backstories because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not going to name names, but I do feel like I've had some dungeon masters that have been like, go write 75 pages of backstory, and then it no one read <laughs> it. Used. Right. Well, hello. Yeah. Like, why yeah. are you never? Yeah, nothing. you're not going to read it if you're not going to use it. Like, why ma- are we doing? I don't it? know if it was read. It was never used. I don't feel like anyone's backstory was ever used, and we were all like, like, mm, wonder if everyone, anyone's <laughs> actually going to find out that I'm a spy or like whatever. But <laughs> so maybe it's it, it's maybe it's hard. I don't know. But do you have any tips for? Like, how do you weave player backstories into the the story that you want to tell? 
Um, it's not always easy, right? Because it's, it's like you said, like there's, you're not going to use every bit of the backstory. Right. Um, it's just not possible with five players, six players at the table. We will soon have six players at the table. Uh, it's going to be impossible for to weave all of that together, but you know, there are some things you can do. Oh, that's really great. Or uh, I try to take a key from the players. You know, that's really what I, when they talk about what they want or, or talk about what I know isn't true. First of all, you have to read the backstories, guys. If you're DMing <laughs> and you ask somebody to, to write them, like, come on. Like, if you're going to ask someone to write it, at least you can do is to read, read it. Read it. Read yes. it. At the very least, read it. Right. Um, so... In that case, I have read the backstories. I've been involved with them. And it helped that we did session zeros in a in an interesting style where it was just two DMs and one player. And we right. did a little bit of a theater of the mind to establish things. Um, that helped us help them fill out that uh, backstory that they had already kind of uh, structured. And then it gives us, okay, these are characters now that we've created that we can use in the future, uh, all that kind of stuff. So that's one way to go about it. Um, but I also think just... If you see something that's interesting and you and and you can fit it in with the story that you're telling, if you're still basing it on what they're choosing to do and what they're choosing to talk about and to bring forth of their own backstories, then just listen and just use that as it's presented by them. You know, the the fact that that uh, that um, Otto is a little bit of a liar. Um, <laughs> We definitely oh, use that yes. to our advantage, um, of course, because it, it it ups that drama that we couldn't manufacture. You can't manufacture that. That was a choice between Serena, the player, and us as the DMs made together in an improvised way to yes and one another. And you cannot fabricate that. So that's yeah. kind of where, mm-hmm. where I'm at with it. That's magical. It is. Right? It is. Feels yeah. magical, that's for sure. Uh, so In speaking, the moment, it certainly does. Yeah, when it works. Speaking of... Of magical, so let's go back to your wedding. Oh. Let's yes. talk about your really Which cool. Was definitely magical. It was definitely magical. Yes, um, I was so excited to see your dragon cake. I, yeah. I also had a dragon cake at my <gasps> wedding. Really? Yes, I did, oh. and I even went back through. Because again, for an audio podcast, this is exciting. But I went back through, like, <laughs> trying it. to find pictures so I could show you. Oh yeah, you nice, oh, that's beautiful. That is gorgeous. Yes, and but you. So, did D and D play a big role in your in your relationship? In your what? Like, how, how did you get away with um, the dragon themed cake for all those uh, future brides and grooms that are like, I want that? Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I've played D&D for a very long time of my life, uh, starting with AD&D and now here in 5th edition. Um, and when Heather and I met, um, uh, we, I entered, as things progressed and we got closer and, and uh, eventually she moved in, um, I introduced her and some of her friends and some of my own friends who'd never played. A whole table nice. of eight that never played. Um, and we have been running a game now for almost four years. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So um, it's become cool. part of her life because she's yeah. she's never she was not a role player, not an actress, doesn't like cameras, definitely <laughs> a behind the scenes kind of individual. She loves that's where her comfort lies. Um, she's very type A, very organized. I am thankful for Heather. I love you, Heather. Um, <laughs> Uh, Shout out to Heather. Shout out to Heather. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) So 
this has become a way for her to play with that kind of stuff, right? She's amongst, it's basically board games. I'd, when she realized you didn't have to role play, you didn't have to do that if you didn't want mm-hmm. to, you could speak in third person or however you wanted to do it. Then they were on board. And once that happened, now they role play, guys. Like they role play. It happens. It's great. It happens. It's natural. Aww. It's a natural progression of the situation. And so when we got married, um, you know, she was like, what do we do? What if we did like a Monty Python themed wedding? Or what if we did, uh, ooh, we could do a D and D themed wedding. And there was a lot of themes. And he- it was Heather like, said that. Yes. I yeah. love yes. that she, she yes. just dove right into themes. We she, well, she's a wedding planner. She's a wedding planner oh. so, and an event planner. So this is her thing. I okay. see a lot more D&D weddings happening in I LA. Hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Right. Um, uh, Dearest and Darling. Um, right. so her website she, is... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, dearestanddarling.com, I believe. Um, she, um, so she was like, hey... We took a class together uh, with Laser from Laser Campaigns. Uh, Laser is amazing. We're doing a Kickstarter. So this is why we met. We met Laser. And through that, there were other artists who had done Kickstarter stuff. Um, And one of the artists, Eclectic Clay, uh, makes literally like um, she's going, they are going through the monster manual and making clay sculptures of monsters in the monster manual. Nice. Which uh, was incredible. Their work is absolutely incredible. So we were like, hey, we're getting married. Would you like to? Would you do a cake topper for us? Uh, and and they said yes. And so that was the cake topper, a uh, purple, you know, sparkly dragon with a pink dragon and a d twenty on a pile of gold. Uh, and it, it's uh, at the top is the the twenty. It's, it shows the twenty. That's what the die is landed on. And it says, "I choose you." Oh, um, stop! Our topper, yeah. It's so that's cool. How yeah, it's Brilliant. not a you know ours are a little bit less. Uh, Ferocious dragons and more like, hey, let's let's uh, let's make a home dragons. Yeah, um, that feels appropriate though. I don't for a wedding, like a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we want the red dragon, dragon like, needs to be you know, like ours. Know yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, ours was like, I'm here, I'm here to ruin your party. <laughs> but it's ah, so I'm gonna eat this cake. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to the Monty Python themed wedding. Oh, yeah. What was that gonna yeah. be like? I was like, I think of all the gross out, like disgusting humor yeah. that's in that. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, cut off the legs of a the black knight. Uh, you can just dress up in those kind of you know <laughs> costumes and like I would you know the idea was I would have been maybe the you know the black knight with my arm cut off or in my shirt so it looks like it's cut off while we're doing <laughs> stuff. There was some so there were some ideas thrown around. Clearly, I Mr. Creosote throw, yeah. throwing up into a bucket the whole time during the wedding. Yeah. Her oh. brother wanted to be Tim the Enchanter, uh, you know, with his horns and. <laughs> oh yeah, that's but, uh, yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so good. Um, one really quick thing, because we would be remiss if we didn't mention that a, a separate from the amazing dungeon runs, but Serena, one of your an amazing adventure that you penned for Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, Salted Legacy. Oh, thank you so much. It's, oh, it's a pure delight. So anyone who has that book definitely, I'm sure, recognizes your name, but... What, was that uh, your first foray into adventure writing, or have you have you had you done it before? Uh, yeah, it was my first uh, oh, awesome foray. Um, and what was cool about the writing experience and the writing team is we all like had a Microsoft Teams that mm-hmm. we worked in, and we helped each other uh, fill in our gaps. So some people, um, like myself, my my writing experience is uh, plays, uh, one acts, uh, comedy. Um, whereas we had other incredible writers, um, 
Justice and Mario like come to the top of my brain who really stepped in to help uh, writers like me who uh, needed a little more guidance on like the, the crunch and the mechanic and like the gamification of things. Yeah. Um, but it was such a joy to uh, be a part of that book and to share a story that is not the stakes aren't rooted in big, like world altering, scary uh, adventure. It's it's intimate. It's about uh, family and um, the responsibilities we have to each other and to our community, uh, which felt really nice for yeah. a first level adventure. That's awesome. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you and the the camaraderie that you were just talking about mm-hmm. uh, was it was great hearing from Aja George about how a lot of that started at at Big Bad Con uh, that like first um, gathering where many of the the writers kind of came together and then there's another one coming up right yeah um, I think uh, when this airs uh, will be the week of Big Bad Con so uh, it's the 27th through the 30th. Um, of October. Of October, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, I'm really excited. Um, I think that uh, Wizards and also the company that I work for now, Quest Portal, were sponsors. Um, and because of the, the sponsorships and other companies in the space who had um, donated to help uh, make this con possible, um, 50 uh, people of color from around the world we're able or are able to attend. So we have people from the Philippines, uh, from India, from the UK um, flying in and, um, you know, focusing on building up the community together uh, with networking um, and, you know, pulling the ladder down wherever we can, because it's important that, um, you know, like the writing team of Radiant Citadel, like now it is our personal responsibility to say, hey, like what does the next generation of writers look like? How can we build on this together? Um, What does um, creating um, a wider community look like for us? So um, it's it's really exciting and I can't wait for it to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. It sounds so fun. I wish uh, uh, I I could travel more, but yeah, it's it's in LA, right? It's um in San Francisco. San Francisco. Nice. Yeah. Uh very exciting. I can't wait. I think it is going to grow into a much even you know based on 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 uh, uh all, all of the the hard work as well as bringing everybody together. I think that's just going to continue to be a, a a big part of the uh D&D community going forward this event. So, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it it's wild how like some um, events and like virtual events too and in social media as well can really bring together like strangers who maybe wouldn't otherwise have met. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, at, right? Like at Big Bad Con, that's where I met Ajit. And it is through working and knowing Ajit and uh, building, you know, my friendship with uh, him because he's so wonderful. Um, you know, where I was able to be on Journeys to the Radiant Citadel. Um, and uh that you know, like, and how we can open doors for each other is important. Totally, yeah, yep. totally. Yeah. It, rem- it reminded me of of uh, the stream of many eyes, where yes, we we introduced uh, everybody from Rivals of the Waterdeep to the community as well, and then it's just mm-hmm. grown and 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 uh, and think inspired more people from there. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's and I, I will never forget. This is a tangent. Um, I will never forget um, you, uh, Greg, coming up to me and being like, "Hey." Um, we need somebody for main stage. Can you just do it? And me being like, uh, 
okay. But it was so that fun. Was super fun. It was, yeah. I think that those moments of us, you know, just believing each other and giving each other chances to shine and like do the thing that we know how to do uh, is is so important. So, yeah. so thank you for for that moment. That was it just in my brain as just like a very wholesome, panicked Greg Tito and a very panicked <laughs> Serena Marie <laughs> figuring it out. And I knew that you, with the improv uh, background, yeah. that you'd be able to be like, yes, yes. I can. Yes, and. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. We will roll with that. And I had, you know, amazing trust into the effect. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you're a performer. Like, that's, I think, you know, everybody kind of wanted to make the show go on. And I think... Uh, it worked out. It worked out well. And then, in some ways, that's what's happening with uh, Dungeon Run, I think, inspiring the people who are uh, uh, contributing all of the um, uh, plot and other things that have, you know, yeah. being able to to shape the story in, in small, subtle yeah. ways. Some of those people obviously are, you know, more mature, but I'm not sure some of them are younger as well. And that might be their first taste of, of seeing something they've created be uh, shown to a much larger audience. And I think that's really kind of beautiful, too. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, we we we've kind of we're trying to stick with and are, uh, you know, a family show. So we have watchers that watch with their families, uh, and we get a lot of um, we get a lot of uh, feedback that that's really nice, and we should keep that. So we've been we've been really trying to do so. Um, and another way, you know, we do some charity stuff as well. So actually, we're doing one next week, uh, that Wednesday next week, uh, six p.m. on Twitch.tv. We will be doing a um, Halloween one shot, which will be uh, DM'd uh, all all women, all women, um, mm-hmm. DM'd by uh, Jessica Lynn Parsons for the Center of Human Rights in Iran. Excellent. So all the proceeds will go to that. Amazing. Um, so it's another way that we try to interact and and do well to communities and and um, rights, especially. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot going on there too, as well as yeah. I, I didn't realize. I just, I mean, you probably have seen it as well. The Polygon story about the rise of board game cafes yeah. and D and D being a big part yeah. of that uh, yeah. uh, for the young people in Iran, and that just, I mean, that's one of those. I, I love those heartwarming stories. About I know that was amazing. That type of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I, th- I think um, that's the thing I've been learning a lot about, like this year and uh, last year too, of, of just how global. Uh, gaming has really become and um, how many communities are out there um, just starting like um, and uh, finding the hobby and uh, building out the support and those spaces together because maybe they uh, you know without access or without uh, connecting with other people with shared interests uh, it's really cool yeah like yeah yeah, um, it creates a sense of community that yeah. could be lacking in other ways, right? I think a yeah. lot of mm-hmm. folks, we saw that all during the pandemic as well, where like communities got kind of fractured because there was no place to congregate. And then that's mm-hmm. what gaming provided uh, to to so many folks. And It's uh, this time, it's it storytelling by the campfire, right? Yeah. We've been doing yeah, it since, the, since mm-hmm. time immemorial. So it's just that in a different way, different form. That's what makes us human. Yep. 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 Storytelling. Uh, on uh, the subject of audience uh, participation, I'm going to jump there real quick. Um, what you said, Greg, I think is really important because like people who are submitting ideas and um, story, um, they do so with a thing called a force card. And so when we reach a certain um, level in our game, like a, a donation level, um, these cards get read and they get read as they're written essentially. So like if whatever item, whatever magical effect uh, that is selected, it is 
like fully from that audience member and attributed to them. And we have to deal with it for better or for worse. (laughs) And it's, it's usually so fun and then so creative. Like I think, um, right now I have on my person currently, uh, a, a glass bridge. So it's an instant bridge and it's a callback to the the previous campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's at any point, should I need to use a bridge to walk over something? I can just like throw it down and have an instant automatic bridge. But me, because of my own self as a player, I am figuring out how I could ruin uh, Jared and Ron's life <laughs> by <laughs> by using it in combat. So I don't know how to figure out. So that's kind of like mm. my my goal for myself. But uh, there's tons of items like that that I'm like, okay, like this is so creative and so cool. And how can we now use this for chaos? Yeah, like. Right. With an exception-based mechanic system like D&D, it's always like, well, you just gave me an exception and I'm going to use I it knew as I much was as in I trouble. Can. I knew I was in trouble, Greg, when she asked me, uh, how, like, what's the, what's the, uh, um, the acceleration of this gate? Like, how, how fast? Uh, what is the velocity? It, what's the velocity <laughs> in which it extends to 30 feet? And Serena's smart because she knows to ask question. me in the middle, randomly in the middle of the show, right before we go on the show, just randomly asked me the question. I'm like, uh, it's instant, so pretty high. And she was like, great, great. Look, and that was it. <laughs> I'm going to put That's a bridge through the bad genius. guy's heart. Done. Yes. Yep. I love I'm waiting that. waiting for it. Yeah. I feel like that's what the audience would want you of to course, do. With exactly, that. Right? Yes. So Absolutely. you got to give the people what they want. And right. what a great inspiration again. Like, it is, yeah. you know, th- being able to say, I made that, you know, when you're mm-hmm. 5, 10, 15 years old and being like, oh. okay, maybe this is something I want to do as a, as a yeah. career or yes. something like that. And I just, I love exactly. that. That's so cute. Yeah. That's very special. Well, yep. you guys so are doing good work. Thankful. You're doing it. Well, thank you. You're, you're making it happen. It. You're. Um, where can people find out uh, about obviously Dungeon Run and how to how to you know jump on and, and if you're not already watching get into this season as well as uh, you know you personally I know everybody's got their own little projects we've mentioned a bunch of them Ron we'll start with you uh, yeah so Dungeon Run you can find us on Twitch twitch.tv slash the Dungeon Run you can also find us on YouTube if you can't watch live we have uh, every Friday we release them on YouTube uh, the Dungeon Run uh, myself you can find me everywhere on the internet as the real Rogden um, you can also find me on the dungeon society.com um, and uh, I got a Kickstarter coming uh, so if you guys will check out seasons of adventure uh, on Kickstarter uh, that's launching November 1st. Nice. And what was the uh, the wedding planning website again? <laughs> wedding planning, uh, you can find it on Instagram, The Dearest Darling. Dearest um, Darling. All right, cool. The Dearest dear, dearest and Darling. Excuse me. Dearest and Darling. <laughs> nice. Okay. You, did it, you did it right. Yeah. Shout out to Heather did again it. on that one. Yeah. Uh, and Serena, what about you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can find me personally at uh, Twitter. On Twitter, I live there. Uh, Serena X Marie. Uh, or on Instagram, if you like cozy illustrations, uh, my Instagram is Serena is a bee, spelled like a bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you can also find me as uh, the head of marketing and communications for uh, Quest Portal, which is a new world building tool and startup. We just launched early access this year, I think, uh, in February. So now people can actually go and like test it out and figure uh it out for like their campaigns um and yeah 
I think that's it. Oh, and you can watch Faye and Flowers on Dimension 20 if you like, if you like uh, Regency romance. Oh. <laughs> you will like, you will like. You will yes. like. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Amazing, yeah. So great. Uh, wonderful talking to you both. You're all very inspiring. Uh, and I want to both get a 3D printer, print out a <laughs> wedding cake topper, and uh. then lie about it. Mm. And lie about it. Yeah. <laughs> you should and write a seventy-five page backstory about your cake yes. topper. Yes. Nobody will. Read. No one will read. That it, no one will read and use. Yeah. bury it somewhere. Bury it. That's yes. important. <laughs> well, oh, thank, thank you, you both. Thank, thank you. you so much for having us on. Such wonderful people. I feel inspired to make a dungeon run of my own. You want to try some three D printing? I do actually. That was um, actually really interesting. Uh, although, like like you said, I only understood <laughs> every fourth word. Right, um, but that's why it's great to have uh, so many different people who come from mm-hmm. different backgrounds to make D and D happen. You yeah, know, I kind of want an artificer in my friend group. Definitely. How handy would that be? I know. Um, it is It is pretty cool. I'm very excited uh, about all of the stuff that's going on there, as well as Big Bad Con and uh, Serena yeah. and Marie doing stuff at the, at the Quest Portal. Really cool stuff. Super awesome. So, you can find out about uh, everything Dungeons & Dragons at D&D Beyond, of course. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow me, I am at Greg Tito on Twitter, Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. And what about you, Shelly Moo? I'm Shelly Moo. At uh, on Twitter and Instagram, and you can see all the amazing uh, podcast appearances that we've been doing on other people's uh, community podcasts to talk about. Welcome to Dragon Talk. Uh, follow us, and you can get all the updates there. A lot of them are starting to publish now, which is super great, and it's been oh, wonderful going awesome. to all these. Uh, you know, I feels like we're 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 visiting the the booths uh, at a at a at a virtual convention by going into uh, other people's um, yeah. podcast worlds. I got to be honest. I'm having a ball. Me too. I love, love meeting these podcasters. I think it's so fascinating to even like see like what kind of equipment do they use or how do they like start their show and end their show and the the research that they do. It's also very touching and I just, we have such a good community. It's just so much fun to get to know people. Um, one one of our our interviews just went up on, on role play grow, so definitely yes. check that out. That was a very very fun um, interview, and yeah, they'll be Absolutely. like Greg said, they're rolling out now, so we'll try to capture them as much as possible for sure. And again, open call to anybody who would love to speak more uh, to me and Shelly about Welcome to Dragon Talk or anything about the D anD D community. We are excited to chat and get to know you. Just yes, like please. we do here on each episode of Dragon Talk. Yeah. So cool. Uh, all right. And one of the fun things that's been interesting is that uh, folks have been saying nice things about our little mini campaign here with Aww. Drunky Two Shoes. So let's keep it going. Keep it going Let full steam. Us. So uh, in our last session, you got to speak with a wonderful individual uh, who is taking you into a wider area. Uh, that is the speaker, Cholet. Um, and she has uh, explained to you that she's been around in this Radiant Citadel for uh, at least a few centuries um, and is aware of your brother, aware of Daryl Two Shoes. But she yeah. realizes that you have not yet been able to um, 
see the wonders of the area here within the Citadel, mm-hmm, uh, which mm-hmm. is, of course, called, uh, yes, the Preserve of the Ancestors. Okay. Mm-hmm. Within the Auroral Diamond, um, you uh, have been able to enter this larger open space, lots of uh, greenery and vegetation, as well as small creatures uh, that are made of crystal that are varying sizes around you. Oh, yes. I chased one of the little crystal squirrels or something. Yes. So uh, that was where we left off. You were chasing one uh, into an area, and it go it follows. Yeah. So um, your, your uh, Sholette was leading you to this main circular area where a few other um, uh, hu- human-shaped f- uh, creatures were uh, conversing, uh, and then you saw these uh, this uh, small squirrel-like creature that ran off in one direction, and you followed it. Um, it is going uh, goes into the underbrush, uh, kind of out of sight. So make me a perception check. Oh boy. Okay, I'll do that. I'll do that right now. I'm very perceptive. Don't forget. I know you are. I want to. I want to make it oh. make it seen. Thirteen. 13. Uh, all right, so you actually lose sight of it, but you do hear some rustling kind of uh, 15 feet ahead of you um, as this creature seems to have emerged on the other side of this thick thicket of vegetation, trees I'm go- and bushes. I want to go. I want to go for it. Okay, so you run through can, the thicket? Can I take my like my short sword and like, whoosh, whoosh, like a machete and hack away at the brush? Yeah, absolutely. Roll a... Um, you know, roll I have me, two I, of them. You don't like, necessarily have to roll an attack roll because I think it's in there, but roll me damage. Roll me um, if you're oh, going to... Oh, I like how you're doing that. Okay. A seven? A seven. Okay, so you hack away. That's that's pretty high uh, uh, as far as a 1d6, right? So mm-hmm. you uh, hack through the vegetation. So And then Shola uh, behind you says, wait, no, stop! Uh, but you're you're hacking through and you uh, uh, create this, this hole... Um, and then, yeah, you can go through it. But she says, what are you doing? Huh? What? Squirrel. Squirrel. What? Okay. And then wh- what do you do? You say that, and then what do you do? I'm stopping, but I'm looking at her. Uh, Shola says, uh, you know, and she's a little bit behind you. Uh, she's like, no, that, th- th- that vegetation's been there for, for decades. We are uh, oh. cultivating it. What are you doing? I, I don't know. I just lost control a little. <laughs> well, this is highly irregular. I mean, that I'm not sure where that squirrel was going, but um, you we don't usually know where don't. That squirrel was going. Oh, I we, I do not know the minds of each one of our incarnates here. Um, that is that is part of my role as a speaker is to speak for them and interpret <sighs> them, but only the one uh, of which we have the strongest connection to, and uh, not all of them have. Uh, a, a strong sentience about them. One as small as this squirrel may not know. Um, but I, I, I don't understand why you would go right into destroying vegetation. I wasn't destroying it. I'm just making a path. Well, she looks at the branches that you've hacked uh, and, and are broken uh, with oh, the, you know, the uh, I, damage that I, you've caused. And she just kind of I'm puts so her hand sorry. out and shows like, what do you mean you didn't damage it? I, I mean, do you know I'm I'm a Tabaxi? Yes, I am aware. So I just have some instincts to chase small animals. That curiosity and those instincts uh, may have been your people's undoing. 
Oh, my people have not been she says, undone. And she kind of turns a little, little sadly. There is, there is more you, you do not know. Oh, but dear. this, this act will be weighed against, uh, against you. You're gonna tell people? Yes. How could I not? Why do we have my to talk about it? My role as a speaker it? would be uh, forfeit <laughs> if I did not tell the truth. Come, come with me. It's not. not and she's, she's not asking at this point. She says, "Come with me," and she grabs your arm uh, and pulls you towards the. I am holding daggers. Hello. What do you do with them? She's pulling you towards the center. Nothing. The, I'm just uh, holding them. Like God. All right. Okay. She's very insistent and actually quite strong. You're you're right. at, you're a bit surprised. This is a, a you know an older looking woman, uh, and her grip is extremely. Um, uh, you're unable to move away from it at all once she starts pulling you. Why are you so strong? You will find out in time. I'm going to cast a minor illusion in front of her that looks like a cat with like a big tear coming down his her face. <laughs> <laughs> She's pulling you towards she, and she, um, she actually sees that illusion, and she, she uh, dispels it right away. It's gone. Rude, jeez. Come with me, and she's pulling yes. you almost like a like a uh, like an angry mother. Okay, I, I can walk. I can walk myself. She'll pull you there, and we'll pick it up next time once you get. She'll pull uh, you to there. That area. Good. Sometimes drunky doesn't make the right decisions. <laughs> That is true. You uh, have you, as, like you've said here. You're an instigator. You just got to make stuff happen, which that, he does. Though is why I love Drunky Two Shoes. Me too. It feels so good to play that character. Squirrel. I would never. I would never hack up somebody's vegetation. <laughs> I think they were calling it vegetation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you hack up my vegetation? Never. When I see those little signs that are like, don't let your dog pee here in people's yeah. yards, I'm like, mm, I just tug puppy. No, 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 no you no, need no, to hold it. You hold it to the next patch of grass. <laughs> yeah. Rules. I love rules. I will follow your rules. Drunky, not so much. No, oh, that's why I feel so good. It's so liberating. <laughs> well, we'll see how liberated you feel next time. Yeah, I have a feeling those days are coming to a close. 